Dear friend, welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. Before I jump into today's podcast, I want to remind you that you can sign up to my mailing list through my website, mayorkay.com, M-E-I-R-K-A-Y.com. Every week on every Monday, I send out a short little email filled with different links to my podcast, to new films that I'm creating, um, books that I'm reading, music that I'm listening to, interesting people that I've come across. Um, it's a wealth of knowledge within a few short paragraphs. So be sure to check it out, mayorkay.com, sign up for the mailing list. And of course, you could check out my new book, A Kid's Book About Optimism. That's right. A Kid's Book About Optimism is out, ready to order. You can find links to it on my Instagram, at Mayor K. And of course, you can visit akidsbookabout.com. And they have some incredible titles over there, one of which is Optimism that I wrote. Woo! All right, all right, all right. Here we are, jumping into today's uh, intro to our podcast. We have James Sebastiano Jr., a conscious entrepreneur and a film producer who recently released a documentary entitled Chasing the Present. I'm a fan of Russell Brand, as some of you may know. I'm still actually waiting for girl Russell to pick up the telly and say, hey, May, okay, do you want to come over some tea? That's the best uh, English accent I've got. My British accent is so on point, isn't it? Uh, but I do have faith it'll happen one day, Russell and I, perhaps having Russell on the podcast, what a dream of that would be. Uh, so I think I saw Russell sharing about chasing the present because he's part of it. He was part of this film. And it got me interested and I started doing a social media search, which led me to James, who is the executive producer and subject of the doc. I watched it and it's, a, it's beautifully shot. It's deep and it's a moving film which follows James' journey to, found, to finding answers as to why he feels so much crippling anxiety in his life, especially after achieving what he thought was success. For me, it was a journey down memory lane, being that I was in many of the places James visited in India, and it brought back all sorts of memories. But putting aside nostalgia, within the film, there are some incredible deep points about mindfulness and removing the I, the ego identifying where our pain comes from and how to release, release it from our lives. Uh, it's really great stuff. And in this podcast, we talk and we chat about healing, practical tips on how to become more self-aware, and of course, present. And my producer mind goes on a little jumble and its own takes over for a bit. And we talk about the behind the scenes of the film and, a, and some covering some technical questions as to making of the documentary itself. I do hope you find some value in this. And so without further ado, thank you for tuning in to this Great Day Podcast episode. James, how are you? Thanks so much for making the time to join the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is... Um, I. I'm really appreciative of what you've been up to these past few years and then producing this, um, this incredible film, uh, Chasing the Present, which I had the, the chance to watch just a few nights ago and taking the time to, uh, to, to get a glimpse into your journey, which has been quite, quite amazing. I've been involved with mindfulness for the past few years and on this path of growth uh, to to just break out of my own prison and to and to figure out why do I tick, how do I tick, and how to show up more po- more powerfully in the world. Um, and yet here you are, you did this. You went, you traveled around the world, uh, making this documentary that took about four to five years to create. And um, I'm curious to know what made you 
what triggered you to take on this journey of self-discovery and, uh, and what, yeah, what gave you that push to like change your lifestyle from living in Bali, being quite successful. Uh, you're running, if I believe you some yoga studios, some uh, vegan restaurants, things are going well for you on a, on a Western society's perspective. Why go out, drop that and, and go on a journey uh, to the far East? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, I always, when I get these kind of questions, I always try to figure out where to start, right? It's like, uh, what point in my life do I start? But, um, right. you know, I think where the, the journey into to growing started for me even much before that, I guess. It started uh, several years before that, I kind of became vegetarian. You know, I was living a normal life, just partying every day, going out, going to bars as much as I could, just you know, doing lots of drugs, all that kind of stuff. And then something switched and I read a book and I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a vegetarian. So I tried Which it book was that? and I did, it was called Skinny Bastard. <laughs> there's, a, there's one, a female version that's called Skinny Bitch. And then she did a sequel called Skinny Bastard and it was for men. And my girlfriend at the time gave it to me. And uh, I guess she was trying to tell me something. Maybe I need to lose some weight or something. I don't know. Intense. But um, yeah, she gave me the book and it finished with a 30 day challenge of try to be a vegetarian. So I was like, okay, well, I'll try. So I tried and then ended up lasting for 12 years. But, you know, from that, I, I, I always go back to that point because not that I say that everybody should be a vegetarian because I think everybody should do what they want, you know. But for me, it was the per first part of my life where um, I started to become aware, you know, where I started to become aware of what I was eating. And that kind of triggered an awareness thing in my life where then I started to look into yoga and meditation and all this kind of stuff. And then you know, fast forward a few years, then I was in Bali. And um, in Bali, I was um, running these restaurants, vegan restaurants, yoga studios, hotels, building houses, doing all kinds of stuff. And I became pretty successful. And, and I was still struggling, you know, I was still suffering with really bad anxiety and panic attacks. And I didn't get it because I was on this kind of spiritual path already, in a sense, but something still wasn't working, you know, and I didn't get how I could have money and business and a healthy relationship and all this kind of stuff, but still be suffering so much with anxiety. So there just became a point for me where it was just like, you know, I'm done with suffering. I don't want to suffer anymore. And that's kind of how the whole journey of making the film started. Specifically with you, because anxiety is such a, a vast spectrum. How does, how does anxiety show up for you in, in your life? It used to show up for me in my life um, in a very physical way. You know, it would start in a very physical way. Like I would feel, you know, for example, I'd be driving down the highway or something, and then I would feel tingling and start in my chest, like this, like numbing, like, you know, when your leg falls asleep, kind of, and you have that, like, thing, like, it would feel like that in my chest. And then it would slowly creep up my neck and into my face, and I, my whole body would start to tighten up and to lock up to the point where I couldn't even speak, where I couldn't even move my mouth anymore. And my heart rate would rise, and I'd start sweating and would literally have a hard time even being able to breathe. And as soon as I would feel that first stimulus in my body, my mind would start to take off. Like, oh my God, what's going on? Why am I feeling like this? What's mm -hmm. happening? Am I going to die? Blah, 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 blah. And then following that mind and following those thoughts down this rabbit hole is what would take a general anxiety feeling and turn it into a panic attack. Wow. So, I mean, like, this is something that you lived with for a while and then it just came to a place of so much pain where you're like, okay, I got to just changes i got to change the way that i am that i'm living my life and which is which is quite impressive because like you said we could get so caught up into like 
you know, living with pain, being comfortable in, in the pain, because this is what we know and what we're used to, even though it's not comfortable. But to, what's sometimes so scary and so paradoxical is like, we're so, even though we know we're living in pain and discomfort, the fear of not knowing if we took a step differently and to, to take a path that may have some remedy or recovery, that the unknowing could st- keep us stuck in the pain that we know and exists. And, and we, so I think it's amazing that you took the, you know, the courageous step to like, say, this is not working. I don't know what's out there, but I'm, I'm hungry to figure out what it is to, to find some sort of cure to myself. That's really, that's, 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 that's really impressive. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's just so hard to believe. I, I mean, I, I spent some time in Bali. I've been back there four times and it's, it's like the one place where I think I would, I would live, I would, I would build a home and, and, and it's so, it's, it's so wild. I mean, the people, the culture, the, the, the chemistry between the Western society and, and, and the locals is, I feel like it's some beautiful dance that takes place. I mean, there are a lot of Westerners that are coming in there at the same time. I feel like Bali still holds its own magic and its own space within that and, and the landscapes. And I have some great friends out there who own a couple, I mean, Leah Solomon, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she has a couple of vegan restaurants out there. Earth mother. Yeah, yeah. Earth cafe and Down Earth cafe. Earth and, yeah. I know yeah. her very well. Do you? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I have my she... spot. My spot. Well, my main spot is called Alchemy. It's in Ubud. Alchemy, You've been yeah. in Ubud. Yeah. I've been, I've been to Ubud. And it's such, so it's, as I was doing deep diving into your life, James, um, which we got to get to a Wikipedia page. I'm so gun ho about that. But uh, until then, um, yeah, I saw that you, you, you're, you're, you're one of your places, Alchemy. And it's so funny. So what a small world. So my, and the reason why I bring this up is that I just found, I just found a lot of peace and harmony in Bali. And yet, you know, and you mentioned you built up a couple of businesses there and, and things life was going on, but yet you found that you still needed to take on a journey. I'm curious to know like, why, why go about creating a film? Why document it in this way rather than just going out there, finding the, you know, your purpose or finding the remedy that you needed? Why, why capture it through this documentary? You know, I really don't know. It's a good question. Um, it just came to me as an inspiration. You know, I have a friend, Mark Waters. He's the director of the film. And uh, I met him several years back and he was working on a surf travel film and he was in Bali filming surfers and traveling around Indonesia and filming locals and doing a lot of amazing work. And I just always had in the back of my head, like, I would really love to make a film with Mark someday. And then it happened, you know, I had this last panic attack. I came out of the hospital because my heart was not working correctly and all kinds of stuff. And, and um, I just woke up one day and I just had this overwhelming burning feeling inside of myself that I've only felt one other time in my life. And, it was just very clear to me, like, you need to make a film. You need to do it with Mark. I was like, okay. And I, I couldn't resist it. So I called him and I said, hey, Mark, like, we need to make a film together. Like, I don't. And he goes, really? He's like, yeah. And I told him how I felt. And he said, you know, what do you want it to, what is it about? I was like, I have no idea. I just know that we have to make a film. Really, it was like that. And he said, okay, I'm in. And he came and, you know, originally the idea was, oh, let's make a film to help people. Let's make a film that could potentially help to change people's lives and all this kind of stuff. And so we started on that path being our intention in like the first month or two of kind of brainstorming and planning. But then I realized like, you know what, I have these vegetarian restaurants, I have yoga studios, this, that, all this stuff, which I'm very grateful to be able to, to have and that, that I was able to manifest. But at the same time, I was already doing a lot of stuff to help other people, but I was still suffering. So what was wrong with that? And then Mark and I kind of looked at each other and said like, hey, like maybe we should do the film with you. You know, maybe you should really get into your anxiety and try to understand the root cause of it. And we'll just film that. And hopefully if we're honest and authentic and real and we really get to the, to the core of the stuff, that it'll be 
inspirational enough for other people to maybe want to look into their lives and, and to, to change their lives as well. So we just shot it with that, you know, just like that. And we went out and then we started doing these things and kind of unfolded. You know, I had always dabbled in yoga like a week here, a week there, you know, but I never had like a solid practice where I was going every day for years or something like that. And sure, I heard it was so amazing. So we wanted to immerse ourselves. We went to India and uh, went to Rishikesh and did a yoga teacher training. And while we were there, people were talking about ayahuasca. Many people were like, oh, it's ayahuasca, you know, okay. So then we found an ayahuasca place and we went there and we did that. And our friend was building schools in Nepal, you know, from the earthquake. Um, he, he made his life's mission to just spend the rest of his life rebuilding schools for kids. So he was doing that. So we went and visited him and did meditation there and hung out with nun, uh, nuns and monks and all kinds of people. And it just unfolded naturally. That's why it took us so long because you know, it's some, we're trying to heal anxiety. You can't just be like, okay, you have 17 days to film. Heal yeah. your anxiety. Go. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's it a gradual, yeah, process. You got to be so much patience. It's a gradual process. And we had no idea, like, would, would we actually be able to get to the root cause of the anxiety? Would it be able to go away? You know, and even, I'd say about a third of the way through the filmmaking process, it got way worse to the point where I could literally not drive a car. Uh, at all every time I would drive I would have a panic attack just I didn't know why I didn't feel afraid of driving or anything I just would get in the car and as soon as I'd get on the highway I would freak out and I, I could, we, we, do you think that was triggered because you didn't know where this film was going and you were stressed out about what's gonna what's gonna be or just sometimes no, it was be, a, no no it was a culmination I mean I was still having panic attacks anyway and then you know I had a close crash on the highway which maybe triggered some PSD and so then mixing that in with my anxiety and stuff like that it was, um, yeah, it was, it was not a good thing. Yeah. I mean, for, for that, that's, that's, that's what I'm amazed by, by this film is that the, the rawness and like you mentioned, the authenticity that like going into this, you guys, you and Mark just, you know, talk to each other and realize like, Hey, we have to make this as real as possible for people to connect with it and not call BS on it. And, and you feel it, you really show up and you, and you, you ask the questions, you, you see a lot of raw emotion in it. And it's quite amazing to see that, you know, to just observe this process, this, this journey, this healing that takes place and you're the catalyst in all this. Did you have any fears about being, being the guy, being the person exposing yourself to the world and showing this, you know, human side to yourself that perhaps no one knew about yourself, especially, you know, you you show up in the world, you know, as a leader and as a businessman and all these different titles and such. Um, how, what kind of fear, or if you had any fear around what that may, how that may damage perhaps your business or your way of people looking at you and how'd you get past that? You know, I didn't really have too much of a fear of it damaging my business or anything like that. I was more, and I actually didn't really have that much fear around, around any of it. Sometimes there was a little bit of uncomfort, you know, like, for example, being in the cafe with my dad in, in the film, you know, and telling him that I had anxiety for the first time in my life where, where anxiety wasn't something that we were allowed to have growing up. You know, I grew up in a like men don't cry type of situation where it wasn't taught to us, so to speak, from that side, how to deal with these emotions when they come up. And I just tucked them away my whole life and started taking drugs and alcohol at a really young age because I didn't know how to feel that. I didn't, I didn't feel safe. I didn't know that it was okay to feel those things. So having those kind of conversations with my father on camera brought made me nervous for sure. 
or, you know, one of the other scenes, I'm having a therapy session, I'm going all out in the therapy session. And there's like eight people in the room while I'm having that session. You know, if you think about the cameraman, and the sound guys and the producer and this, that, and blah, blah, blah. I'm there like trying to open up with my dad and my therapist and there's people there watching. So some of that part was difficult. And I had a little bit of stuff come up of just like, you know, I realized that I'm, and I'm grateful that I, that I have the privilege to be able to travel around the world and do those things, you know? Um, and a lot of people do point that out like, Oh, here's this white guy just cruising around the world. He's lucky he has money and blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I'm so grateful that I've had that opportunity and I don't take that for granted in any way, you know, but that's something else that comes up where I feel like, Oh, like, you know, yeah how how do you process that i mean it's, it's unfortunate that people do get stuck in, the, in those comments like in the sense of and, I, and i've seen those right the, the comments that like there are plenty of fantastic feedback and then there's always a few that sort of stick to to a creator's yeah. mind and um and sort of label you like and, and sort of put you in the space of like rich guy white guy travels the world for enlightenment um which i think doesn't really do justice to to the to the fact that you're an individual and the things beforehand you worked very hard and you were born into a certain way but the fact is that you've just you you have resources to go ahead of doing it but to take the courage and the step and each in our own way in life can take action maybe we can't travel around the world but to get honest and real it doesn't matter where you're from and what kind of resources you have well also you know like let's say uh 10 years ago I, you know, 11 years ago, I was like literally walking around the streets of Amsterdam looking for coins so that I could eat a Burger King value meal. So it's not like I was born into some rich family and have a trust fund and they just gave me money to go make a film. You know, like I literally I came from a normal middle class family and I had what I needed and I'm very grateful for that for sure. But then after I left the house and I moved to Europe on my own, I was completely on my own and I had, didn't have anything. You know, I sold a car had 2000 bucks, spent it in a couple of weeks partying in Amsterdam and then was left with nothing. And then, and then from that step on everything that I achieved, I did it, you know, um, in a sense, you know, through my own will and, and, and through being gra grateful for what I, what I really had. So that's how I kind of handle that stuff in my mind. I know that I'm not like this, you know, trust fund kid whose parents just gave him money to make a film or whatever. So for me, it, I just kind of brush it off and it's okay. And at the same time, realize that I still am privileged on so many levels and I totally am just really, really grateful for that. That's, that's really great, man. Um, you did bring up and you touched on this, this one scene with your, with your dad in the coffee shop and you're talking about, you know, your journey your and, and, and you first time you shared that you had anxiety with him. Um, for me as a viewer, I, I, I was feeling so much triggered to be honest. I mean, do I, did you walk away from that conversation triggered in the sense like, I mean, your dad does come across as like, as a, as, as a, as a man's man. And like, this is how we do things and such. And, um, I'm curious to know, like, how was it, how did you process that, that conversation? And do you feel like you were seen and heard? Uh, I think I, it's the same story my whole life. You know, I think, I feel like I was partly seen and partly heard. You know what I mean? But I feel like um, it's difficult to communicate these things with, with different generations. Um, you know, my dad grew up in a totally different time. He had a really, if we want to talk about not having a privileged upbringing, you know, he had a really, really, really tough childhood, you know, which I'm not going to get into, but it's one that you wouldn't wish on anybody. So I understand why he is the way he is. And I have compassion for that. And I love him, you know, for being the way that he is. But at the same time, I also have needs, right? And, and, and so many of us do. And, 
you know, I love Ram Dass's thing of saying, if you think you're enlightened, go home and spend a week with your family and then see how enlightened you are, you know, because love it's that. really, yeah, it's such a thing. And that's why we made that such a core backbone of the film because, you know, I didn't want to just make a documentary traveling to India and sitting on the river and meditating and talking about how beautiful life is because the real challenge is when we come back home and we're in our daily life and we're in our daily routine or with our parents and we're with our loved ones and we try to incorporate the things that we've learned in our journeys and in our just in our meditation practice in our inner journeys we try to incorporate that to our family and to people from different generations like do we feel heard you know do we feel held in those moments so did i walk away feeling triggered um a little bit just as much as i do in every conversation that i have with him you know what i mean but that conversation (laughs) was three that was three hour conversation you know it's only about six minutes in the film so we went and, you know, that was, the, that was the mellowest version of my dad we could put in there. You know, we had to keep right. it as light, you know, as, as light as we could. Um, and that's what we did. But yeah, definitely. How did you find, though, like you mentioned, there was like, besides you and your dad, you know, here I'm thinking it's like only Mark, Mark Waters, the cinematographer slash director of the film, but you have a crew of like eight people around. How do you, how do you as an interviewer and, and, and as a, and as an actor and all, and uh, as a performer in, in this, how do you bring a authentic, real down to earth conversation when you have all these people around listening in? How do you it wasn't eight, that? It, it was more like five or six. Um, but at some points we had other people there who just wanted to come, like when we we're filming with Russell Brand, you know, like girlfriends, friends, like, hey, you know, and then it's like, yeah, 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 cool. yeah, 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 clout. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. hook it up. Yeah, sure. All right, Some ex from like four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> so. no, it wasn't like that. Everybody was, but the, the, the reason how I was able to do it is because I was so close with everybody. They weren't, except for on a couple of occasions, we had a, like with Russell Brand or with this person, we had a different sound person than we normally worked with. But for the most part, the sound guy, the cinematographers, um, the people who were helping and the producers, everybody was really, I was really, really close with them. So that made it a lot easier to be able to open up when I'm just amongst friends, you know? So any project that I do in the future like this or anything like that, I just really love being around a solid group of friends and working with them because it just makes things so much better, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I do have a few technical questions around the filmmaking and, and the process of that, which I want to get to in, in, in a few questions. As myself being a producer, filmmaker and such, it's some of the, there's some details there, which I would love to just um, sure. hear about it. And I'm sure people who are listening and would be curious to know as well. But before I jump into that, I do want to just touch on some of the, the mindfulness and the lessons that you, that one could, could learn from the, the, the film and as well as from your personal journey. One of which is your, um, there's like a moment in the film when you're speaking to uh, on the, on the ganja, maybe the ganjas or no, it's not the ganjas, but down in Rishikesh with Prem Baba and your um, yeah, it was the ganjis. It was the ganjas. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, and you're there, and it's a really beautiful moment, and it's like you get this enlightenment or this realization that um, suffering is a choice, and that's it's all it's all an illusion. You know, for someone who perhaps isn't so aware of, of, of the mindfulness journey. And what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean that suffering is an illusion? How did you interpret that? And how do you live with that in your day-to-day life? Well, I would say that um, suffering feels very real, right? And I, and I also brought that part up in the film as well. Like when I'm in the middle of a panic attack, 
it feels real. And when, like, you know, it's, it's, it's quite complex to unpack, but, you know, in general, there is suffering. We can't, we can't deny that suffering exists, you know, on this level, in this world, how things are, people suffer. I suffer from anxiety that happened. But there's different, rea- there's different parts of who we are, you know, and the part of myself that was suffering was the part of myself that I was completely identified with. So let's say it's my ego that's suffering, you know, and it's, it's not the truth of who I am. And it's this whole thing of having this misidentification of being identified with just a piece of ourself, being identified with the fact that my name is James, that, you know, somebody's a doctor or someone's in a relationship or somebody has this much money or not that much money, just being identified with the wrong thing. And when we, when, it, when we identify with our true self and with the core of what we really are, there's no suffering in that space. It doesn't exist. The suffering exists within this misidentification that we have with these different false selves that we build up around ourselves, with these different masks that we wear. You know, maybe some people are familiar with that term. So it's the mask that's suffering. But the ultimate truth of who I am isn't. So in that sense, it's an illusion because the mask is the one that's suffering and not the consciousness, the awareness, the, the God self that I truly ultimately am deep within. Explain and that disconnection and that, like to be able to like, that's for example, how I overcame my anxiety. You know, I haven't had a panic attack now in three years where I used to, I had them for over 17 years, like on a regular wow. basis. And it was from that understanding, not just the mental construct of that understanding, but it came from, in the moment where I was having the last panic attack that I had, I can remember I was in the car, I was driving down the highway. I had the sensations like I was explaining. The mind came in, it's like, oh my God, what's happening? And then I went with it for a second, but then I caught myself. I was like, wait a second. And I just watched the thoughts come up and I watched the thoughts go away. And then I just was sitting there and I watched the things happen in my body. And instead of freaking out about what was happening in my body, I just held it. And I allowed it to happen in my body. And I just, as difficult as it was, and as challenging as it was, and as painful as it seemed, I just sat with it and allowed it to happen without going down these mental rabbit holes. And then it went away. And then a couple of times after that, it tried to come back up again. And it was there and I felt it and I, I, um, and I allowed it to be there. And then, it, and then it went away. So, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah, you, you, you can see that it comes across in a bit of, of the film when that realization comes. And so you, you mentioned quite, quite beautifully about how to identify, how not to identify with that one bit of ourselves. Sometimes that makes the most noise, makes the biggest commotion. And so then, and for so long, we, we sort of think that this is who we are. This is part of who we are, our essence. However, like the many different thoughts that come into our mind, you know, we have the critic, we have the man, you know, the person who judges us, we have the shy. There's all these different personalities in this boardroom in our minds. However, we could be like, you know, above all that. However, what are some, perhaps, and you, I think you touch on it right now, but are there a few tips or a few things that you could share with that if someone's going through pain, whether that's perhaps anxiety or through depression, or perhaps they're feeling stuck and those voices start coming up and there's a discomfort. What are some tools that they could observe um, within themselves where they could practice in which they could pull themselves out of that illusion that this is who they are and they could perhaps change their, you know, their trajectory to something a bit more peaceful. 
Well, it's a serious thing. You know, like I said, I'm, I studied psychology and, you know, I've been working with a therapist for like 10 years and I don't know where each individual's person is at. So I don't really like to give a generalized answer because if you're really struggling and you're heavily depressed, you know, it's, it's good to go out and talk to somebody and whether your insurance will cover, you know, you talking to a therapist or whether you can afford that, do that because at the beginning it's, you know, you want to feel safe. You want to feel like somebody's there with you holding your hand through this process because it might get really, really difficult. And if you can't afford therapy or that's not available to you, someone, there must be somebody in your life that you can sit with and be close with. And, and, and that allows you, that holds that space for you to feel what needs to be felt. And, and if you feel comfortable and you have the ability to be able to do it within yourself and you don't think that you need someone else to be there for you, then I, I find that um, spending time in nature which is completely free and completely accessible to everybody really truly helps us connect with the core of what we truly are. Just taking a hike in the woods or if you're in New York city, you know, walking through central park or getting out of town on the train and finding some spot where you can go and just be alone and just sit there, turn off the phone, you know, turn off the notifications, just sit there and be with yourself. Don't get distracted and just feel it, you know, and it might be super uncomfortable at the beginning, especially if you're not used to that kind of thing, because, we're just so not used to sitting still. You know, we have such small attention spans. I mean, I was probably the most ADD kid ever. Like I couldn't even sit still watching TV from when I was born. I was just jumping up and down, running around. <laughs> like I had so much energy, I just couldn't sit still. Even so TV me, didn't do it for you, huh? Even TV couldn't do it. I had to run around and jump off the couch while I was watching TV, you know? And, um, and to, so, so to go from that to, to meditation, for me, it was like, what the heck, you know? Like, what is this? I have to sit here and just be quiet and just watch my thoughts and just feel. So it can definitely be challenging, but I think spending time in nature and sitting in silence, you know, and really investigating this, this I, this, this truth of who we are, you know, sitting there, just allowing thoughts to come up, just connecting with our breath, doing some gentle breathing exercises. It always helps to do a, say, do a two or three second inhale and a four or six second exhale, because if we exhale longer than we inhale, we literally slow down our nervous system and we become more calm our thoughts slow down and it just becomes easier to connect just by super simple breathing exercises. So all of these things are accessible and, um, and I think there's many different tools and just pick the one you like the most. And if your mind is super active, go online. There's so many free guided meditations and stuff like that. Pick somebody's voice that you really, that soothes you, you know, and listen to some guided meditations. Just start spending more time disconnected from all this technology and all these things that we're doing all the time and just, spend some more time connecting with ourselves, you know, and uh, it takes time and we have to go easy on ourselves. We can't expect, you know, I said the other day too, to somebody was like, you know, I, I had a hard time going to the gym because I went to the gym for like two weeks every day. And I was like, what the heck? Why am I not like ripped yet? Like I've been going to the gym right. for two weeks, you know, but I was eating like for my whole life. And then I did, how could I expect in two weeks to be perfectly fit? You know, it just doesn't make sense, but we want solutions. We want answers right now in this, in this moment because of how the internet works and how fast everything is speeding up. We expect instant gratification. Well, these things that are really worthwhile do not happen instantly. It takes time and we have to have patience and perseverance and, and be willing to spend the time that it takes in order to change our lives. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think we have to, I agree with you in the sense that we need to take time and be patient, be gentle with ourselves throughout the whole 
process of self-discovery because it's so easy to fall into this self-deprecating or <clears throat> harsh way of talking to ourselves in ways that we wouldn't talk to a stranger or a good friend. So it's I think a gentleness is very, very important as we go through this and, and disconnect ourselves from the distractions around us. There is a there is a a moment in, in, in which you give a lot of credit to uh, the moment in which you sort of you, you felt like the anxiety or this pattern to be relieved through a conversation you were having with Gary Weber. And um, I'm, I'm curious to know what is it that you guys were discussing? What did Gary tell you? Um, I know it's hard to perhaps bring into a, a long conversation into a few short sentences what that may look like, but is there is there some sort of footnote that you can share from that, that a takeaway from that conversation with Gary? For sure. Uh, it was a key point in the film and it is the most, you know, um, it's, it's based on what I said before about the misidentification with these other parts of ourselves. But ultimately it's this idea of, you know, he said something, he said, if you don't have the sufferer, there's no suffering. So if we realize we're not only this ego, because that's the one that suffers, if we realize that that's not who or what we truly are, then we won't suffer because the suffering is the identification with the mind. It's the identification with the ego. It's the identification with that part of ourselves and the confusion that that's all that we are. So then obviously the logical next question I asked was, well, who am I then? You know, and that's the most right. cliche thing in the world, right? <laughs> who am I? Like we watch Zoolander and he's looking in a puddle and he's like, who am I? You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's right. such a cliche thing. It's such a, it's such a cliche question to ask. Yes. But at the same time, I came to it like in a natural way of the, through this conversation. I'm like, whoa, 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 if I'm not James, then what am I really? And that's what's worth exploring. And as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned, that's the entire purpose of life, really, is to explore that question and to to build a relationship with the, that thing that we truly are. So who is James today from I mean, James from 10 years ago? Is, has that changed? Is, is it just the same, but perhaps looked at it differently? Is there no James at all? How do you go about, um, how do you go about making sense of that? It's just, um, it's just a, it's a piece of knowledge and it's an experience, you know, it's like, I just, know now in my true heart, not from intelligent conversations, but from experience of having these meditations, having these feelings, being able to watch my thoughts, being able to watch my panic attacks go away, and just kind of operating from a different space, you know, and, and I think the real key to it, again, it's so cliche, and I even when I say it, sometimes I'm like, ah, so you know, but it's like, just learning how to be in the moment, and really be in the moment, like, for real. And I think there's, being present became such a buzz thing and everybody just said it and like, yeah, I'm so grateful. I feel so present, blah, blah, blah. But you actually know what it is to be fully present and fully in the moment and how difficult it is to sustain that and how difficult it is to be in those moments. I mean, all of us are out with our friends and there's 10 people at the table. And if you look around 70, 80% of them are on their phones, you know, so we're physically present with our friends or we're physically present with our families. But our mind is somewhere completely, completely different. You know, we're in the future, we're in the past, we're in Instagram, we're here, we're there. We're not fully just being and just existing in this like, in this beautiful thing that exists right now. And so, how is know. it then? You know, there, you, you, this idea of being present is is so key to to serenity and peace of mind and heart. 
but you know, a way which somebody could go ahead and say, you know what, let me go and meditate. And when I'm meditating, even within that practice, I'm, my mind is going in different places, but I'm, I'm focusing on being present. But once that experience is over and that is all really what it is, an experience, even when we take to say hallucinogenics and such, how do you bring that fundamentals and, and those, those ideas to actual day-to-day practice when we're living in this world where there's time and there's hustle and our mind could sometimes jump back in and take control? Well, let me ask you something. How, explain to me like how you, uh, like a normal meditation goes for you. Uh, so it's, it's a new practice for me, but a normal meditation would be is I go down, you know, have headspace um, and I'll sit down 15 minutes and I'll be, I'll be guided and I'll, I'll my mind will just jump, jump around and I would, you know, fi- have to try to focus on the breath. My mind goes back. He'll remind me to come back to my breath. I'll come back to my breath. And uh, I'll pretty much try not to fight it, per se, with force. I'm trying to learn how to let it go um, and observe it as my mind goes away. But I'll, um, I'll do that for about 15 minutes and um, call it a day. Yeah, and same thing happens for me. Same thing happens to pretty much everybody, right? That's why it's called a practice because we're, that's what we're dealing with. And, and what happens when we're with our friends, when we're at dinner? It's the same thing, right? We're sitting down at the table and we're listening and then all of a sudden we start to think about something else and then we come back to listening again and then we start to think right. about something else and then our phone goes off and we go into that and then we come back. It's the same exact thing. You know, meditation is a metaphor for life and it's just like that practice of learning how to come back to the present moment is what it's all about. For me, the least important time is the five minutes when I have my eyes closed or the 30 minutes where I have my eyes closed and I'm meditating. It's throughout the entire day when I'm in those moments and I'm realizing that I'm not present, but I bring myself back and I realize I'm doing something else and being rude while I'm here meeting somebody who I really love and care about, but I'm just Instagram messaging and Oh shit, put that down. I'm going to bring myself back. And that's what it's all about. You know? So it's not just about these moments for these psychedelic experiences or whatever. I'm not discrediting any of that because it's super important and they are forms of practice but we're practicing for life. You know, we're practicing for the big game. We're practicing for being able to do that on a regular basis. I think, you know, I always, I like this one and it's, you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing, you know, for me, pray, meditation, it's all interchangeable. It's all the same thing. It's connecting with the present moment without stopping. So it's not about just connecting with the present moment when we're meditating or we're taking shrooms or when we're doing ayahuasca or when we're with our therapist or whatever. It's about how do we do that all the time. And the more that we do that, the better our life is going to be. It's not questionable. The more we connect with the present moment, the better our life is going to be. Because we're just being in this existence in the now as opposed to stressing about the future or regretting the past. We're just here. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so much beauty here, no matter what your life circumstance is. So learning how to just be here, um, you know, and Eckhart Tolle and all the power of now, yeah, and now. The new earth and all these books, it all talks about that. And it's real, you know, it's absolutely yeah. real. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself through this journey uh, that you've become a bit more of a spiritual man, a man that you, do you believe in like a higher power has brought you closer to, to, to God? Um, how do you, how do you identify? Or how do you connect with, uh, with, with, with the spirit world? Oh, that's a good question. How do I connect with the spirit world? 
you know, when I'm in the, when I, when I have like the deepest meditation or sometimes I have these moments, you know, they come far and few between, but where I'll just be driving on my bike or something. And then all of a sudden just like, oof, like everything just opens up and I just become completely present. And I'm just like in this moment, I just have a smile on my face and I can't take it away. And maybe it lasts for five minutes or maybe it lasts for two hours if I'm really lucky, you know, and I call that grace because it's, it's an uncontrolled, like I can't do that on purpose. It just happens, you know? And when I'm in those deep spaces or when I'm in a super deep meditation or something like that, and you know, there's no thinking and you just feel this connection to, to everything. And, and at the same time, it's like a very deep nothingness. So it's like this everything nothingness space of just um, pure connection, pure awareness, whatever, but it's beyond all those words and all those definitions at the same time. So I, I don't want to say higher power, lower power, God, whatever. It's just, there's some, there's, and you can't even say something, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's just a speechless thing. It, it's really, uh, without sounding crazy, it's, it's, it's really hard to put into words, but that, that thing that I, that I can't even really put into words, we can call it whatever we want, God, awareness, consciousness, whatever. I definitely believe in that. I definitely believe that we're all part of that, that that's in essence what we all truly are. And I definitely believe that my life's purpose personally is just exploring that as deeply as I possibly can and connecting with that space as often as I possibly can. Do you find like it's a, it's a, there's a difference between the Western society, the Western world, you've been living in Bali for a bit, you know, which is you know, considered the East. Do you feel like there's a certain fundamental difference between the way we're brought up or what, how things are taught to us that, separate us between this path of happiness or how we look at ourselves and the, and, and the world around us? I definitely do. I, I find it really interesting. You know, I've studied so many different religions and traveled to these different religions and met the different people who practice these religions and they're all beautiful and they all have so many um, beautiful things to offer. And at the same time, I, be, I truly believe in myself that the fundamental core of all of them is the same. And the fundamental core is this, consistency is this presence is this like ultimate awareness ultimate connection to everything that we all are and the different religions based on the culture and the tradition and the time where they were uh, you know brought into life they view that and they explain that with these really beautiful and intricate different stories and stuff like that um, but i really think it's important to not confuse the messenger with the message you know and to not put these idols in front of the message and to just really just look for that message in these different religions because they exist everywhere. Like you can, the same stuff I'm talking about is the same stuff Jesus was talking about and the same stuff Buddhist talks about. And they all talk about the same thing. You know, if we just don't think about Buddha and don't think about this one and that one and blah, 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 but just that core message. Um, I think that's what it's about. Cool. All right. I do want to jump into a, a few questions around the, the production and, and the, the creation of this film. And uh, this is my, the producer mind. And, and, uh, and there's cool. going to be some people who may be curious about uh, how this all took place. So we, we know that you, you've shared in, in multiple interviews now that, you know, what perhaps would have started for a six month journey turned out to be three, four or five years of, of going around the world and filming and, and the process of creation in which documentary filmmaking is known for that. You're like, oh, I'll go out for a year. And like, it turns out to be four. Um, was there a moment throughout the film that, you wanted to just stop, whether it's because of time, drainage, uh, funding that you're like, you know what, 
I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not moving ahead with this. And if that's the case, what kept you going? You know, of course, there's times where you question things like, man, what am I doing? And, you know, I, I, you know, I found, you know, funding and, and I put up a lot of that on my own because of the stuff that I was able to accomplish in the years prior. And I was selling houses and businesses and stuff to be able to keep the project going. So of course, when you're like almost out of money and you put everything you have in your life into a project, it, you come up like, is this the right thing? But I would immediately get the answer as to, yes, this is the right thing. Keep, keep going. It was, it was clear to me, although I would doubt it, it was clear to me like to keep going in that direction and we're almost there. We're almost there. And just, you know, and just not to give up on it. That's wow. That's, that's amazing. Like you've, you've really <clears throat> dedicated, not just your time, but a lot of your resources, your money, your, your, those, the success that you attribute to, to creating this film. You're the executive producer of this film. You put, you fronted a lot of the money. Um, and that's, that's tremendous. The kind of dedication you had to, to bring this message to life. Um, were there, were there people in your life who were trying to sway you or did you always have to come back to your center and say, this is right. This is what I need to do. And, and, and say no to the naysayers. For sure. I mean, um, making a film is not a, uh, a financially successful business to get in. It's really hard to even come close to getting your money back. Forget about making profits, but even to come close to getting your money back is nearly impossible. It's, it happens to such a tiny portion of fraction of a percentage of films, you know? So business friends are like, Hey, be careful. You know, at the same time, my dad's like, Oh, why are you wasting your money on this thing? And blah, blah, blah. So definitely I had those forces come in, but I just had trust, you know, and I just surrendered to it. And I felt like something bigger was at work and I needed to just do what I needed to do and just allow it to happen and be, and do what I could to, to bring it to life. Are you happy with how it came all, how it all came together? Yeah, I'm, you know, even I'm, I'm really, really, really grateful. Again, um, I, I recognize completely how privileged I was to be able to have the opportunity to be able to make this film. But I'm so grateful that I did it. It changed my life forever. It changed all the people on the team who helped make this film's life forever. And, you know, daily I'm getting messages from people who watch it and um, want to talk and they were suicidal or they were suffering with depression. And they literally said watching the film has changed their life. So for me, like the fact that I changed my life and even one of these messages that I've gotten from another person um, saying that their life has been changed or they decided not to commit suicide or whatever is like, wow, you know, it's such a gift. It's such a blessing to be able to, to, to share that with people, you know? What's, a, uh, what's something that you had to leave on the, on the cutting floor in the editing room that didn't make the film that you really wish did? We shot a lot of stuff in Nepal with this uh, going to help rebuild, rebuild these schools. And we had some crazy moments where we uh, were in the ro like insane roads in the mountain with rain and no headlights and, you know, no railings and mud and just like some crazy experiences that I think would have been pretty cool. Um, and there's so many more conversations like that conversation with Gary Weber is like two and a half, three hours, you know, and it's like six minutes, seven minutes in the film. And, spent a day with Russell Brand, you know, we, um, we spent uh, a lot of time with Muji as well filming and uh, we got, I did a silent retreat with Muji and then I got to go to his ashram and we spent a full day shooting with him, but none of that stuff actually got put in the film. That, that would have been, I think, amazing, um, but it just didn't work out. So there's, there's lots of pieces, you know, that we would have loved to have the opportunity to, to put in there. Wow. That's insane. And so does it come down to, I mean, you just named off a, a couple, but you have, 
a truly uh, A-list lineup of, of thought leaders and mindfulness uh, teachers and, and gurus in, in, in the in credit to your film. How do you go about, does it really come down to just finance, to money, to like, to be able to arrange something like that? Or do you get people on board just by, by the mission of the, of the film? How do you go about locking in such people? It's about the mission of the film. You know, um, Mark is incredible as well. And he's, it looks beautiful. He does a really good job with the look. He and does. Feel stuff. Beautiful. So we put together a nice little presentation and we sent it to the people that we wanted to send it to, you know, and I wish that we would have been able to have more women in the film and more different people of color and race and all that kind of stuff. And we honestly sent to so many people. And the people that we picked were the people were like the ones that we could get and that we really, really resonated with, you know? So ultimately it's Mark's decision. He's the director. Um, but we, and we also had a story to tell, you know, and, and after we filmed everything that we filmed, we had to pick the pieces of the puzzle that told the story in the way that we truly experienced it. So it's a super hard job. It takes months. We had hundreds of hours worth of footage and we had to make a 97 minute film. So I can imagine, you know, just sitting in the editing room, like, ah, where, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> tough, man. It's like cutting, <laughs> choosing your babies, you know? Yeah, and you're like, oh, and then Mark would come to me like, James, you know, I really hate to say it, but I don't think we could put this in. And I'm like, oh, you know, like my brother, for example. My yeah. brother came to New York so many times to film with us. We played basketball together. We had a, we had a really beautiful open-hearted conversation. We were both crying for a really long time. And we went deep and talked about stuff that we've never spoken about before, which was really, really, really healing. And um, as, uh, as uh, one of the, the cinematographers was taking the drive over to back it up, he dropped it and it broke. And uh, that whole, oh, that whole wow. segment, yeah, he, he was devastating. God bless him. And I love you, brother, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> he's a big he fan. The, Bro, you, no, I'm sure you had to use every well, both tool brothers, of mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm sure you had to was, use every tool of mindfulness not to lose your, or just to process that. No, I, I, yeah, none of us lost it. We were all just like, oh. we let go of it pretty quick. And we tried our best to get the drive recovered and all that. And, my brother was super sad because, you know, I get, but I guess that moment was just meant for us and it was really yeah. beautiful and I'm still grateful that it happened. But there was stuff like that that happens along the way, you know? Wow, incredible. I, I do have a few more questions, but I know you got to go. So I do want to just ask you um, just two last questions. One being sure. one takeaway from the film or from, or not necessarily from the film, but from your experience these past few years, what's one takeaway that you could share with the listeners that could perhaps move them, just move the dial a bit closer to finding a bit more inner peace. Um, you know, I think I touched on a lot of them throughout this conversation. And I think one that I didn't touch on is just, you know, I think why I'm getting these messages on Instagram and, and people are expressing change was because of the fact that I was open and I was able to be open and that I was able to talk about this kind of stuff. And I was able to bring awareness to the topic. So I think if you are suffering from anxiety or depression or PTSD or, or any of these things, it's okay. You know, almost everybody that I know is suffering from some kind of mental health thing at the moment. Almost everybody now more so than ever. And talking about that is a really great step to bring light into the dark. So I think not to be ashamed of what you're going through and to feel like it's okay to talk about it is a super, super, super great step. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And I just want to echo your words. It's 100% true. Um, I've had my own 
challenges and battles and continue as as one as we continue to grow there's always new things showing up and it's somewhat i'm somewhat now appreciative of the new challenges that come my way but there's no denying the pain and discomfort that comes through the process of growth um a lot of perhaps mourning takes place in in, in growth of letting go of, of old selves and beings that served us for so long so there's definitely a lot of discomfort and yet there's so much to be gained and so much peace on the other end of that so i i totally agree and 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 thank you for sharing that. And like I like to end off with all my uh, great day podcast episodes, I like to ask you, what is a great day for you, James? <laughs> what is a great day for me? Yes. Today, every day, today's a great day. You know, just to realize, I think, how incredibly lucky we are to be able to live and just to be able to exist and to be able to breathe air and how small of a chance we have, you know to be existing in this, in this body, in this lifetime. It's just like, it's literally impossible, but we're experiencing it, you know? So a great day for me is getting up, doing a morning practice, having some good food, hanging out with close friends, spending some time in nature, going on a hike, connecting with family, and just, um, and just um, yeah, just exploring this mystery of life to the fullest and, uh, and just being super grateful that we're able to experience it. James, thank you so much for your time, for showing up powerfully and, and curating this beautiful film. For those who haven't listened, who are listening, who haven't seen it yet, Chasing the Present is uh, highly recommended. It can be found on the various streaming uh, websites. So I would highly recommend you checking that out. James, how could people find more of you and of the film? Where can they find you on the interweb? Yeah, um, chasingthepresent.com. If you're interested in stuff that we do, you can sign up for the newsletter or whatever. Um, also I'm on, on Instagram and I answer a lot of the messages myself and my Instagram is james.sebastiano um, we have chasing the present film on Instagram as well you can find me through that so yeah I'm happy to talk if anybody's struggling if anybody wants to share or talk about anything feel free to reach out awesome 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 James thank you so much stay blessed brother and I, I look forward to uh, perhaps seeing you in the real world off zoom sometime soon yeah that would be cool. Thanks a lot for what you're doing, man. It's super beautiful. Thank you for your time too. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Dear friend, thank you so much for listening to the Great Day Podcast. And thank you, James, for creating such a beautiful film and for sharing so much of yourself with us in the world. If you haven't yet, do subscribe to the Great Day Podcast. Rate and, and read and comment on it. It goes a long way. Share it with a friend, a family member, in your WhatsApp group, on your Facebook status. If you found any value in this podcast episode and any others as well. And I do want to remind you that a kid's book about optimism, my very first children's book is out and about. You can order it uh, at akidsbookabout.com and they have some great titles out there. And I wrote the one about optimism. I do recommend it, of course. Uh, but if, if you don't get mine, I hope it does lead you to some other books that they produced and created with some incredible authors. Uh, and I hope it brings you and your and the children or your nephew and nieces uh, value. And of course, if you haven't as well, I want to remind you that you can subscribe to my weekly uh, mailing list. I have I send out a mail a mailing list, a email every Monday, and you can find that at mayorkay.com, m-e-i-r-k-a-y.com. It's filled with some interesting uh, projects that I'm up to, whether the videos, podcasts, books. Uh, I include other fantastic insights that I find throughout the week, books that I'm reading, music that I'm listening to, people that are changing the world for the better. So uh, do check that out at mayork.com as well. Okay, okay. Until next week, 
Thank you so much for tuning in again. Stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor Kay, and have a great day.